0: The Italian Radio Hour is sponsored by Istituto Mondo Italiano. Buonasera a tutti, good evening, and welcome to the Italian Radio Hour. Io sono Stefano. Sono Viviana. Oh, come sta Viviana? Viviana is very busy right now as we're working to bring our guests online, but. Don't worry, but obviously we have got a very exciting uh, show for you today, and or wherever you want our folks coming in. We're going to have some folks dialing in from Rome, so this will be very uh, interesting. But uh, obviously, we want to welcome you back for uh, another episode, and as always, we want to welcome our regular listeners. And uh, as the show continues to grow and with our online and being able to stream this, and you know, put the previous shows out there, we also want to welcome new listeners. We've been uh, you know, hearing from a lot of folks that they are you know, enjoying the show and, and starting to pick it up and share it with their friends. So we want to thank you for sharing the show. We also want to welcome our new listeners. And uh, obviously we want to welcome anyone listening online at khbradio.com. And as always, be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Italian Radio Hour.
1: Di nuovo benvenuti ai nostri ascoltatori il mondo. Grazie per essere con noi anche oggi mentre continuiamo il nostro viaggio per l'Italia e la cultura italiana.
0: All right, and uh, looks like we are getting ready to go. But first, before we jump into our guests, let's talk about really quickly about the last episode. So we uh, spoke with uh, Justine and Joe, and uh, if you if you remember, they um, created a documentary called The Mona Lisa's Missing, and uh, a very interesting documentary. and uh, some very fun facts, and uh, you know, I, I do encourage you to go out there and watch that if you haven't. We've also uh, had a couple of winners last week, and uh, they're going to get a couple of uh, uh, DVDs, DVDs of the uh, show. So congratulations to our winners, and a kind of a friendly reminder: a few weeks ago, um, we had a group called Alabuara. They're also the group that plays the music for the show. So, if you enjoy the kind of intro music and you haven't a chance to go listen to them, uh, you know, we're encouraging you to go out to www.istitutomondoitaliano.org and uh, buy a couple of tickets. They're going to be here in March 19th. Of them. At 7 o'clock. Perfecto. Uh, limited seating. So, again, please don't wait. Get your tickets today. But as always, again, as I love to say, the old radio phrase, the phrase that pays. Um, last week we asked about non è farina del tuo sacco. All right, Viviana, cosa significa?
1: Non è farina del tuo sacco. Um, so we put a cute little picture on the website with this sack of flowers, and uh, so we got all kinds of uh, answers. I had to do with cakes and baking and so forth. Um, but actually, the true meaning of this is uh, if it is not flour from your sack, it means it's not your idea. You copied it from somewhere else. Um, whether it's plagiarism, you know, you you know usually students mm, okay. and going and, and copy and then the teacher said uh, Giuseppe whatever, that was not farina del tosaco. So I want to congratulate Mary uh, Geyer for sending us the correct
0: answer. Perfecto. We used to have an old phrase called Cooperate to graduate that means something <laughs> completely different And again, uh, the folks, if you're sending in emails when we, when we throw that phrase out there And you send in your emails We are personally reading them and we enjoy it So please, keep the emails coming um, we, we really do appreciate the support
1: Okay, so before we introduce our guests for the evening A little bit of pubblicità Parli italiano Do you want to learn, improve, or master your Italian? Istituto Mond Italiano can help Located in the heart of Regent Square, Mundo Italiano offers more group classes and one-on-one private tutoring to help you learn Italian in no time. Visit us online at www.istitutomundoitaliano.org and our spring semester starts on March 26th. Hurry and register! So, here we are. I'm so excited to have two very special guests on the line with us. They just climbed down Mount Vesuvius because they were shooting their latest video. They are not movie stars, but they are the stars of Rimesa Roscioli in Rome. Uh, Good evening, Lindsay and Alessandro. Come state?
2: Hello, hi, we
1: are here. Ah, ci siete, ci siete. Benvenuti, benvenuti. So it's 11 o'clock their time. So thank you very, very much for agreeing to have this uh, conversation about all about wines and a lot of other uh, topics that will come around. So a little bit of a uh, background, so uh, Lindsay Gabbard, you will tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and Alessandro Pepe uh, are indeed the partners uh, that manage uh, uh, Rimesa Roscioli, actually the concept I believe comes from uh, Alessandro, a very unique place in the heart of Rome uh, where you can experience not only um, wonderful wines wines but more as we have this conversation about some other very genuine uh, products um, that they source also from um, other local uh, farmers and so forth wonderful uh, wine tasting dinners and we'll talk also about the wine club but before we get to the fun stuff let's get a little bit about um, the background on both of you lindsay if you would like to share a little bit how from michigan you ended up in rome
3: well, I'll do a short version of the story, basically. I had moved uh, from Michigan over to California. I was living in Santa Barbara for about five years and started studying formally uh, with a Court of Masters Sommeliers, uh, but started really realizing that I was losing all my passion for wine uh, when I started really studying these technical books, and I decided that I needed to put the books aside and go over to Spain, France, and Italy for about 10 weeks by myself and just go through the vineyard regions. And I got down to Rome, I uh, met a master sommelier who introduced me to Riccioli, so I did uh, lunch at Riccioli one day, I did the wine tasting dinner at Rimessa at uh, the following day, and uh, long story short, I'm, I decided to leave it all behind and move back over to Italy, and I've been here about six and a half years now, and I'm now a partner in uh, Rimessa at alongside with Alessandro, who was kind of the main founder of it and also a partner in the Riccioli Wine Club, which we started about four and a half years ago.
1: Okay, wonderful. So, um, Alessandro, a little bit about yourself. You are also a globetrotter. Um, Although you were born in Italy, you lived um, abroad, had establishments and so forth. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, Well, I lived most of my life in Italy, and I um am... I consider myself a deeply Italian, with all the good and the bad side of it. But yeah, I lived also, I lived in the U.S. when I was nine years old, in uh, actually New Jersey. Usually Americans laugh when I say that, or they say, they answer, "I'm sorry," but I had a beautiful <laughs> time. I was in Princeton. My mother was teaching at the university there, anthropology. And uh, then I had an experience in Dublin, where I opened, I think, possibly the first Italian wine bar there in 2001. Or official one but most of the time I was born in Milan but I lived in Rome for more than 26 years I would say yeah, more or less and uh, yeah yeah no well uh, I travel a lot I, I don't really know where do I belong if Milan or maybe my family part of my family is from Puglia so yeah I consider myself um, a north and South Italian. I have the passion of the South Italians and somehow the rationality of the Northern ones. I would say more the irrational side is winning in in the second part of my life, but that's almost it.
0: All right. That's uh, by the way. That was funny that you said the passion of the South. That explains a lot of things in my family. So that's, 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 that's fantastic. Oh, I appreciate that, Lindsay. I want to kind of go back to you though. I I watched an interview you did a while back before you went to Italy. Though you kind of did I don't want to say hopped around Europe, but you were in Spain and France and and is it was this part of your kind of your studying and your and your kind of researching wine. Basically,
3: I. There was just something that pushed me away from the books, and I mean, I had always fallen in love. I was going to actually, I mean, I was engaged once back in a good old time, and I was going to get married out in Napa Valley. Uh, I loved vineyards. I, that's, to me, that's that's where my passion was, was being on a vineyard and drinking wine with friends, you know, having a picnic, whatever it was. I mean, in Santa Barbara, every single weekend, we rode motorcycles and went out to um, basically Los Olivos, where they shot sideways, and, you know, we... That's where we were every single weekend. So, I mean, studying to some degree, you know, whatever you want to call it, is drinking. Uh, it's not just memorizing things from books. So that's to me the only way. Also, because the wines we get in the U.S. are never really fully representational of the wines from a specific country. And I knew that uh, from having tasted some good French wines when I was studying abroad in London. And so I figured the only way to really get in touch with wines was to actually go to where they were being made and actually drink them in the actual country that they were being made in so that I could taste something that was a little bit more authentic instead of these, you know, bigger industry kind of style wines that get imported to the U.S. often.
1: Um, um, Alessandro, if I may ask you, uh, you are not uh, um, one of the Rosciolis, uh so to speak, but uh, it, it is as if you are one of, uh, of the members of the family. Uh, for those that are not from Rome, uh, Roscioli is indeed a household name uh, because of the Forno. Can you tell us a little bit about the family first and then when um, you came up with uh, these um, the concept for the remesa? Roscioli and for our audience what does the word rimessa mean so what was a little bit about this family that you know if you are from Rome as I am as well it's a recognizable name but not for our audience and again how you came up with the concept of the rimessa
2: well yeah I do consider myself bit a bit a, a, an, a, an adopted child of the family I don't know if the Roscioli family consider me an <laughs> <laughs> No, I I mean, with Alessandro, Alessandro Scioli I mean, he's the guy that, you know, trusted in me a lot. And he, he and I, I trusted in them too. I mean, I, you know, we, it was kind of a mutual. I possibly was, uh, tried to be the, 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 I was the only proper English speaker, which is not true, actually. Um, Luigi speaks perfect English too. Uh, but I was the first one that was starting to tweet the tourists uh in the same way we were treating Italian, you know, there is a strange attitude in Rome where foreigners are like, you know, the barbarians, you know. <laughs> so everyone that Still. is not local, in uh, you know, you don't, you know, they don't know anything about food, they don't know anything about wine, and and things have changed, especially the American tourists uh, that were coming to us. Sometimes they came and they knew about wine more than than we do sometimes, and even sometimes about food. You know, American sommelier has been. Possibly, at the moment, but some of the best people in the world are from U.S. And uh, so I was the one that got in touch with them and, you know, making tasting. And, and and I used to do tasting when I was in Dublin, when I opened my couple of wine bars there. <laughs> and so then I opened this private tasting room. At uh, the beginning, was like a place where we could play with wine, me and my colleagues. You know, a, a place where we could professionally get drunk uh, taste wines uh, and uh, and then it became famous especially because my first um, customer and client was Anthony Bourdain. and uh, i think he loved it a lot the concept and actually he was the first one that told me you should go on with this idea of the tasting dinner you know it, it, the idea was about transforming the boring job of sommelier that spend hours explaining the wine to a bored Audience, but to create uh, what was the ancient Roman concept of symposium, uh, that mm. wine is a weaver, is not a, a subject that has to stay in the middle of the stage, and everyone has to pray on uh, upon it. But it's something that connects people, and in order to connect people, you have to, you know, interact with people, explain the wine in a, in a you know, in a pleasant and joyful way, and interesting and culturally speaking also. Make them travel with their palate, and also do the pairing with wine and food in a, in a fun and interesting way. And that's how you know our tasting dinner became famous, and it became so famous that now actually Mr. Shari almost has more customers than Salumeria, which is not, not almost, but we have this almost 1,500 members wine club. People from all over the world, and you know, it's kind of a hub for people that are interested in, in, and not, even people that are not interested in wine, they get interested after all. Wow, wine Disney, which is our main goal, <laughs> uh, you know, to let understand, let people think that wine is not just something for a snobbish, boring sommelier, or you need, you don't need to be an expert. You know, I used to say everyone can be a sommelier, copying the ratatouille center. Uh, Everyone can be a chef because uh, it's all about trusting your palate and let it travel a bit. You know, try not to have too much prejudice of what you like and dislike and try to be ready to taste different things.
0: So, Lindsay, if I show up there, what, what do I expect? If I'm just a regular tourist, a visitor, a guest, and I come... Make, make a early reservation early first. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> junior, Junior, Saro and junior.
1: Except for that.
0: <laughs> um, but what, what do you, what does somebody expect when they're coming into this environment?
3: Well, I think it's almost kind of nice just to come in with no expectations because we're unlike anybody else. So can't expect us to be like the tasting room you walked into when you went to Napa Valley. We're not going to be the, you know, I've been in Michigan, we have plenty of wineries that we, we can go visit. You're not going to expect to have that experience at all. So to me, it's nice when guests kind of come in, assuming that maybe it's going to be like that and finding out that it's actually not like that at all, that we actually make wine a lot of fun. I mean, it's a two-and-a-half-hour experience sitting around a table with guests, basically, from all over the world. Uh, everyone's sharing different travel stories, getting to know each other. Different cultures are sharing different, um, you know, whatever, anything that they're interested in. Uh, and it just becomes a really nice sociable night where you almost forget that you, were, you signed up for a, quote-unquote, a wine tasting. So uh, it's just a nice dinner experience uh, shared amongst guests.
2: Um, a lot of other things. I'm oh, sorry.
1: No, no, go ahead.
2: No, and I want to add that you should expect the unexpected because uh, we. Rimestro Charlie is a restaurant. It's a tasting place. We organize concerts. We organize events. We organize. Sometimes winemakers will come. Uh, come sometimes twice a week, there is a winemaker that is passing through tables, letting tasting. We have these social tables that has been a bit frustrated by COVID, but now we're coming back a bit, where at the same table you have, like, maybe a billionaire that is drinking a $1,000 <laughs> bottle and a, a, a broken student that is drinking a chip, a chip Lambrusco, <laughs> and at the end of the night they are the best friends and they are sharing the bottles, and and there is a winemaker in between, and then we we do events outside. We came to New York. We served more than 600 people, organized more than three three concerts with 11 musicians and we do art expositions sometimes also. So the idea is to use wine as a connector. I mean, uh, we've been partnered with Nish Nish in New York and Ariel is kind of our alter ego. because is a beautiful place in New York who has a kind of a similar concept. And if you think about it, most of the time people, they go to restaurants because they're driven by their belly, but they're driven also by emotion. The idea is to socialize. But most of the time, this doesn't really happen. You know, you laugh, you have sometimes, But at the end, the, the goal of a restaurant is to connect people. So nothing like us, I think, if we do this, we accomplish this thing. I mean, I create the remissrationality based on what I need. I, uh, what I like to, like my ideal place. Because I'm interested in culture, I'm interested in wine, I'm interested in knowing people.
3: And when he says expect the unexpected, uh, I mean, he's definitely not kidding, because I came there on August ninth, 2016, uh, with the accept- with the expectation that I was just coming for a wine tasting, and remastered or surely completely changed my entire life. I now, uh, like I said, I mean, I hope none of your listeners think that they're going to come to the tasting and become a partner in the business, but <laughs> my job is taken. Uh, but it, it really changed my life.
0: You know, that... You did kind of mention something kind of comically, to be honest, make a reservation. So if someone, if I'm going to show up or going to come here, do you guys kind of customize this for the person, or is it like they're going to come and they're literally going to make a reservation, say I'm interested in this, and you're going to make recommendations?
3: We have so many different options that people can do with us. We have a few fixed kind of uh, format menus which you can sign up for online, of course. Uh, One is eight wines with eight different plates of cheeses, meats, uh, different gastronomy, a plate of cacio pepe, and tiramisu, which is probably our most popular dinner. Beyond that, for more collectors and connoisseurs, we have three different levels of a menu called Taste the Legends, which uh, we offer at €170 per person, €250 per person, or €500 per person. And those will have up to 15, 16 wines tasted with equally 15 16 plates uh, it's a really 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 nice menu um, for those that are a little bit more yeah, evolved in their wine uh, journey
2: but I remember do you remember like sorry can I like uh, <clears throat> three years ago I remember we were doing this tasting dinner and something changed at a certain point because I used to do it at a certain point I was like repeating always the same thing and then I understood that I was missing something because I was not listening to the to the audience. And when we started to do that game, and we started our tasting after the first or second glass, we started to ask people to run the tasting for us. Uh, you know, It was about describing a wine, and this changed completely the spirit of it. And I remember a time that every night was a different experience. So when you talk about costume design, it depends on my mood, on her mood, on the mood of the audience, Sometimes we, you know, think about, I remember once we had, like, five continents sitting at the table. The <laughs> Chinese an African, and African and Russian and American and an Irish, all there. Everyone with his own experience. Uh, and I remember also when there was the, I don't want to talk about politics, but there was, like, Hillary and Trump discussion. Oh, my God! And every night <laughs> there was this strange thing where there were people that, you know, could potentially hate each other, but at the same time became friends at the end of the night.
0: I know so no I but, found her just would open up a bottle
2: because <laughs> I was Reno so does curious that. his mother had yeah.
3: uh, worked for Hillary Clinton. So he would open up a bottle of champagne to try to get them to divulge
2: what was yeah, going no, on. In the US. But the idea that, you know, you know, we never had it really a fight. I don't remember no, no, people no, no, arguing no. a lot. And, and the fact that, you know, every time was a, a different experience, you know, some you know, I don't wanna sound too much rhetorical in these hard moments and everything, but you know, we tried to do our best to connect people from different countries. And you know, you know, keep down conflict. And I think wine—that's that, that—that's thats what wine is good about. Because any other alcohol doesn't do that. You know, any other alcohol might get the you know the aggressive side of you sometimes. The fact that you drink slowly with the wine, and you don't you don't drink to get drunk, even though sometimes you do. But that's not the concept. I don't remember ever having really bad experience of a customer getting badly drunk in my place. No. Because we drink slowly, we ate tea, take the food, it's more about the taste than the effect of the drug, and this creates something special.
1: Um, hello? Yes. Well, we're enjoying
0: the conversation. By the way,
1: you're you're uh,
0: I like an African, a Chinese, an American, it sounded like a an intro to a joke. <laughs> joke.
1: <laughs> Enter into, into the missile uh, <laughs> the headquarters in the U.S. So okay, so April first I think uh, things are gonna change as far as you know the state of emergency. But I do want to go back to uh, the COVID times because uh, there was uh, a period that uh, you know uh, touched all the businesses in you know, especially also the ones that were in the food industry and uh, everyone was starting to talk about cutting costs um, but it looked like you actually went back to the drawing board and come up with um, you increased staff. and I don't know if uh, the the videos and cultivating um, that um, uh, project is, is a consequence of uh, you know as I say a consequence of the COVID but the videos that uh, you have been uh, shooting include including the one um, just uh, just now, Mount Vesuvius, or the Barolo <laughs> Girls, for instance. Um, I'm actually very excited every time there is a new one, because finally, wine has a soul. Um, you showcase the producers, their connection to Mother Earth, and also some uh, sustainable farmers as well. So some of the videos are not just about wine, it could be about cheese and everything. So I was wondering if you could share with us what is the common theme for the selection of the wineries or the guests you're going to uh, feature on your videos.
2: Uh, I love you, not just because you're the only one that is watching our videos.
1: But no, I'm not. There the are, a are a lot. <laughs> Don't worry, there's two.
0: She makes me you watch are, the fine.
2: only one that understood what's behind it. And I spent the last 12 years shooting videos. At the beginning, I used to be a documentary. When I was 25, I saw. So I came back to my old job, and at the beginning was just like a really rough iPhone 4, you know, you know, with no audio and slowly, slowly, slowly. Finally, Repubblica, which is you know the Italian uh, New, York Times. New York Times, more or less. They you know they saw us, and we had a beautiful article from Intravino. You know, um, and technically, we are now possibly the second biggest video library on wine in the world. I have to say second because recently Jason Weiser, the director of SOM, contacted us. And he was, we spent an incredible week together. It was like finding our brother on the other side of the ocean. And we're probably going to start a new cooperation together with SOM TV. Uh, the idea is to connect in these two communities that are actually the same community, and I think we can, you know, give a bit of a wildness uh, to the some the TV content, uh, and they can give us uh, some technical suggestions, because, you know, Americans are much more technically professional than us in doing things. It was beautiful, because we had been shooting on the top of the Volcano Vesuvio. Like, it was on Friday. We had the permission, actually the second people ever that shot on, on the other side of the gate of, of, of the Volcano, and uh, uh, and they were there with like with seven cameras with all 40000 dollars cameras <laughs> and we were there with our little, three little iPhones and I like the idea that we could recreate it possibly in a cheaper more simple way without being presumption in any way but the same situation that possibly Rossellini the effect that Roma Aperta or De Sica had with Neorealism you know comparing to the big major in Hollywood you know. You know, they were going there shooting these videos with this movie with no money. And so that's it. Yeah, that's the con. The concept is that we completely missed the point about what wine is about. Wine is not about, it's not an object, uh, uh, it's not even a subject. Wine means a net, is a weaver of a soil and a culture. And the, the, what we tried to say with Barolo girls, uh, I should, maybe Lindsay should explain it. Otherwise, that sounds like a mansplaining. And,
3: <laughs>
2: you know, we'll... What did we want to, I don't know. No, I mean,
3: and really quickly, too, because you were trying to link it with COVID and what we, absolutely, if we didn't have COVID, we would have never been able to accomplish what we've accomplished. Um, I mean, as as sad as it was that the restaurant was closed for more than half the year in 2020, or even probably more than three quarters of the year, more or less, uh, it did allow our one sommelier, Paola, uh, she got in her smart car and literally did 300 winery visits in nine months uh, because she, crazy but uh, also she wasn't we, we weren't working we didn't need the staff to be I mean I worked I focused on the digital parts and SEO I mean, everyone kind of just did their part but that really really helped us and that allowed us to go to Barolo for those uh, that week to, to film and Barolo Girls was all about basically the idea uh, that what do we speak about when we speak about wine because when I realized when I was studying for the sommelier exam um my mom would get so frustrated listening to me, Lindsay, can you just drink a bottle of wine? My gosh, you know, and stop talking about it. (laughs) And you realize that you start to annoy all your friends when you have all this technical information. And so the idea is, you know, how to just get back to a a human level of speaking with winemakers and talking about what matters to, whether it's my mom, whether it's Michaela who's in the video, her mom, uh, who, again, they don't know anything about wine. But how can we link you know, a story of a human and of a winemaker, of an artisan winemaker, so that's who we're almost always working with, is a very small family. How can we tell that story in a way that's going to be moving for our clients or for my mother or for uh, somebody who's not necessarily studying for wine?
1: Indeed. So wine is a living product, and I think the videos really capture that. If you can just hold your thoughts, um, we have more questions for you, but we have a little publicita again. Applying for dual citizenship? Need documents translated? Istituto Mondo Italiano provides certified translation and interpretation services in 20 different languages. Be sure to visit us at www.istitutomonditaliano.org.
0: Don't delay in getting that plumbing repair done. Call Pellucci Plumbing today for all of your plumbing needs. From trenchless sewer repair and waterline repairs and replacement, hot water tanks, sewer camera inspections to Pittsburgh potty repairs. No job is too small for Pellucci Plumbing. Owners Amy and Nick Pellucci have been in business for over 20 years. So give them a call for your next plumbing repair replacement. That's Pellucci Plumbing, 412-782-5050. That's 412-782-5050.
1: Welcome back to our listeners. Uh, we have Lindsay Gabbard and Alessandro Pepe from uh, Rimesa uh, Rosciolo, uh, Roscioli in, uh, uh, in Rome. Uh, another question for you, Lindsay, still related to the the, the videos, the uh, stories of the Barolo girls. Um, tell, tell me a little bit, uh, women in wine, where are they? Um, it could be whether it's in, in the production of the wine, uh, it's a sommelier, Tell me a little, if you can ca- comment on women in, in, in wine, in the wine industry.
3: Uh, sadly, women are probably still quite underrepresented in, in the wine world. But I have to say that we're fortunate at Remesser, Sholi that almost all of our families are actually women. Myself, we had Paula, Michaela. Um, Marlux helps us out. Madalena, who's going to be, yeah, Virginia, Katerina. Katerina. Hilaria. is going to be a bar woman uh, that we'll have working with us. So uh, we do have some men also. There's Alessandro, there's uh, Gaetano, Mattia, but we are definitely dominant with women. And I don't know if it's, I mean, I hate to say that we're better, but I kind of personally think that we sometimes are better. In fact, I beat Alessandro in a blind tasting, and he's like a master sommelier. Uh, and I felt like I was the American coming over with no you know, knowledge of, not no knowledge of Italian wines, but certainly under him, and in a blind case I got 9 out of 10, and you got 8 out of 10, right? Seven, I, think nine, or nine, <laughs> I threw him some curveballs, but
1: still. Uh, okay, so I, do, go, ahead, oh, go ahead, sorry. sorry.
3: Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say that we do try, um, it's not even that we, we seek out women to partner with for the wine club, but a lot of times we end up in front of women, and to be honest, sometimes the lines are, I don't know, maybe just a little bit... I don't know how you would say it, more... Um
2: but I mean, urgent. urgent. I'm going to do a bit of a mansplaining, but, you know, the concept of Barola girls, they came from them, and for me, we were traveling, uh, doing, shooting this documentary about Barolo. At the beginning, was about expats, finding the rules, but the guy that was supposed to drive us, you know, be the leader of this documentary with Lindsay, five minutes before we were arriving to Barolo told us like he was not supposed to come because he had a problem, a family problem and so I actually was driving and I was driving with four so- women sommeliers and so we you know all thought at the same time why don't we do uh, Barolo I don't know if you know the story of Barolo boys Barolo boys are these two you know, fancy dudes that decided to, you know, make a young, ba- generation. young generation of producers that in the 90s created this uh, movement of uh, modern-style Barolo. Mm-hmm. Modern-style Barolo means starting to use a lot of technical stuff, changing the flavor of the traditional Barolo, creating more American-style wine in the Barolo area. This created an incredible success, but then it created also a conflict between tradition and modernity. And now, you know, you know, but all of there is all these winemakers that are somehow not speaking one with the other because of this. And so, uh, what I realized that uh, I mean, I am a strong ego person. I am, you know, a male, and uh, and uh, and I realized that that without women in, during COVID we wouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Every male of our business was. Totally, totally stoned by COVID. And they were not able to do anything. They were lazy, stay on the couch. And if it was not for Lindsay, it was not for Michaela, it was not for Paula, we wouldn't probably be here. I was somehow trying to inspire them with some prophetic uh, speeches. But at the same time, I was not the hardest worker of those days because I was feeling COVID as something.
3: Even the end (laughs) of the night after all of our um, long nights of COVID really... Mentally depleted everybody, but at the end of the night, you saw always our young, our <laughs> they're like 24 years old, they're little peanuts. Nicole and um,
2: Nicole, and they us. were moving the tables all the time. They're, the ones, that, yeah, they're stuff. the
3: ones that lift the tables at the and end of the I, night, and the guys sit on the side. Uh,
2: uh, I don't know, but I mean, I, I don't think I have really strange ideas about genders. My mother is a feminist, so I was grown up <laughs> through it, the reading Virginia Woolf and stuff, but uh, uh, it
4: didn't work. <laughs> no, works, you know.
2: but then I realized that maybe the point is I don't know what, what women are and how women are determined by men and the opposite. But for sure, if you consider it about wine and if you start to study Dionysus, there was there was a reason why Dionysus didn't let men into the parties because Dionysus was the connection with Mother Earth and it was connection with the continuity. You know, it's like in Avatar. You know, that's the same concept as about. If you are a male and you want to think about yourself, you cannot be in touch with culture, with nature. And nature is about a circle of life. And so if you want to, you know, get back to the spirit of the circle of life, only women can do that. And so somehow what happened last year, two years ago, was somehow that you or all the women were leading actually the, the project. And when we did this Barolo Girls so to me, what actually ended, what Michaela says, you know, I and I mean, I had my Revelation wine, Listening to a, a lady that is 25 years old, that knows nothing compared to me about wine, but now actually she knows more than me. After <laughs> three years, she was able to catch me. And she says I understood that the wine is not about the label, it's about relationship and emotion which is a simple statement, but not a lot. I don't think that 99% of the sommeliers that they come to a table telling boring stories on how this wine is 98 point Parker, and this wine is better than that because it's a Cabernet, because it tells you a lot of technical information that most of the time are even lies. They're not even true, you know. Uh, At the end, what they are doing, they are putting the bottle, like, uh, I don't want to say, you know, bad jokes but you know you understand what I'm talking about. And and you know women they don't do that. They they, they get they were able to create a connection between two, three winemakers that each hate each other. We're talking about remember Rivella, Rivetti and uh, so the two one bottle of boy and then another so. That was a man's planning, but I had to stay from my side. Sorry. Okay, <laughs>
1: so we're going to open up uh, the lines for anyone that has questions for Lindsay and Alessandro. The number is 412-825-6262. One more time, four one two eight two five six two six two. While we're waiting for the uh, phone to ring, I um, actually would like to now dive in into uh, the wine club. I love your picture with the uh Lindsay and St- uh, Stefano. <clears throat> Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to spell it. So uh-huh. here is freely represented. So um, tell um, tell our audience what to expect for from your um, wine club. It is very successful. Um, Maybe there are tiers, maybe there is um, frequency of shipments. Um, Tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah, so basically the wine club is, uh, it it was meant to be a recreation of what our guests experienced at Rimethodo Schole, so kind of uh, back at home. Uh, So we tried to really give as much as possible in terms of bringing them directly to Italy uh, alongside us. Uh, the quick technical details, it's two shipments per year in the fall and in the spring. Uh, we do 12 bottles per shipment, so it's 24 bottles per year. There are different levels. There's a level one, two, and then there are some for the collectors and even a legends level. Uh, so ranging from 179 euros per six bottles up to 1,000 euros per six bottles. Um, two payments are made per shipment. So uh, that's, we do ship. You pay for six at a time, but we, we ship 12 at a time. That's the technical stuff, but anyways, beyond that, uh, the, the thing that I think really differentiates our wine club. I mean, first of all, all of course of the winemakers that we work with in general are going to be artisans. And they're always going to be farmed organically, biodynamically, and all uh, that, which we don't really tend to talk too much about. But just so you know, kind of what you're getting. They'll be, in general, small producers. Most of them making anywhere from, I don't know, a few hundred cases per year up to, I don't know, maybe. 50,000 bottles or so per year is kind of the, you know, are probably the maximum. Some maybe a little bit larger than that. But in general, they'll be small boutique productions. Every bottle will have a QR code on the back of it. We do a private back label uh, and we put a QR code where when you scan the QR code, you get a video of the winemaker. There's always subtitles too if they're speaking in Italian. Uh, You'll get, you know, pairing ideas when to drink the wine by, where the, you know, which grape it is, where it comes from a nice little bit of a write-up on the producer, and we keep adding and augmenting uh, these pages every single shipment. Uh, we're also doing a lot of winemaker collaborations where we work in whether it's giving advice to a winemaker on how to maybe slightly, I don't know, improve a wine or, or let them realize a dream that maybe they have that they're just unable to do because the market hinders it or prevents it from uh, being something that they want to risk on. Like, for example, the Insuma project, which was the wine that we opened up on the top of Mount Vesuvius. Uh, Cantino Olivella was with us. Chiro was with us up there. And he, years back, we were at uh, a, a lunch with him at, at his winery with wine club members. And we suggested to him, you know, we had just been to this, uh, this Villa Augustan, or was the last Villa of Augustus, and we saw this winery from the 2nd, 3rd century. With these amphora that you can still see uh, completely, you know, in the ground, and we had the idea we asked Chiro, would you, would you by chance, you know, buy an amphora and make us a private amphora wine because we loved his wines, but we thought there could just be something maybe a little bit more, I don't know, the um, word would be what? Like we just wanted, we thought we could maybe improve his wine, his cut slightly. Oh, uh, the
2: main issue that ninety-nine percent of the white wine you drink usually is filtered, strongly sulfite added. And most of the time, they also put some selected yeasts to, to give some artificial aromas. They went so far that if you want to study now on WSET or even a Cote from Master year, you will probably read in your manual the Fiano d'Avellino, which is a grape variety from Avellino. Fiano is a grape from Campania. They will say they will taste of melon and peach. Not because the great variety taste of that, because most of the producers, they put a selected yeast to the taste of melon and peach in it. So the artificial story has been substituting the real story. So we are helping the winemakers, and now we are having like more than seven, eight cooperation with winemakers to produce a wine that is actually helping the, wine, the winemaker to risk a bit, going back a bit to the soil, to the tradition, of course, using the modern technique and analysis in it. And now, for example, in Sufman doesn't have any sofa that, that is uh, naturally um, filtered by decantation. And it stays in a beautiful The amphora we tried in, in the 2021 was astonishing. So that wine technically doesn't exist and its result. But the last time we did with Mark Shalaby, which is a wine club member that loves us and we love him, we went to a winery, and we tasted more than 35 different barrels, and we selected four of these bottles. And now we have these 2,000 bottles that are produced just for us on our private label. So the idea that if you are part of a winemaker of a wine club, you actually you are witnessing how wine is born and how you can change it based on our request and even customers' request. You have a free visit on the winery when you come here. Free wine tasting. We come to do tasting all over the world and of course in and and it's about getting in touch with the entire process of the wine production and the experience of it i don't think it exists something like that i want to brag because i'm confident that we have the best wine club in the world and every year we add something now we're going to have a newspaper that's the idea uh, we're gonna probably add a wine school online, which would be partnered with Tom TV. Well, well I, I, we shouldn't say that yet, but yeah, you're right. All right, we'll Alessandro, Lindsay, no, no. We,
0: we actually have a caller on the line. And uh, hello, caller, are you uh, are you there?
4: Hi. Yes.
0: Please. What's Hi, your question? This
4: is. Uh, can you hear me?
0: Yep. Please go ahead.
4: Hi. This is Kathy from Murraysville. I'm calling to to say that I am a member of the. Romosa uh, Roscioli wine club. <laughs> and it is fantastic. And I've been to Rome and done the um the wine tasting dinner and uh had a wonderful time. Um and I just wanted to uh say hi to Lindsay <laughs> and uh, Oh Kathy, and, uh, how are you? That- good and actually i'm i'll be we'll be back um, in may the end of may uh and we're going to be doing wayne wine tasting dinner again because we awesome. had a great time and, and also their customer service is fantastic we had a little glitch with shipment shipment from uh because of covid supply chain stuff uh problems and um Everything got resolved, and I just want to just give kudos to 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 Lindsay and Alessandro. You are fantastic. Thank you very much. Grazie mille. <laughs> Thank you, Cassie. <laughs> Grazie. Grazie. Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: For the thank record, you, we did not you, set you. that up. So thank you, Kathy. I <laughs> actually appreciate
2: it. I am crying right now. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's assume,
1: you know, let's uh, let's um, uh, pretend Kathy is coming and uh, she's eyeing a very expensive bottle of wine. and She wants just one glass. Can you make that possible? Do you have any tools or device that will allow that to be possible?
2: In our restaurant, like you mean? the corvin. Yeah. We have 75 bottles by the glass, um, from five to 100 euro, 150 euro per glass. But technically, if I see a big desire in the eyes of a client, I open everything They're they all want. Stop, come with so I don't, guys. I don't put any limits. So, and I'm kind of, you know, it's yes. Yeah, I, I think we have possibly the biggest. Uh, wine list by the glass in Italy at the moment. Could we you talk, ab- yeah, could you the talk about the Coravin?
1: Stuff. Because not everyone might know of um, this uh, Hello, a nice uh, uh, device. Coravin
2: is a tricky system, but kind of helpful. Fortunately, we, we, we try not to use it too much, uh, because after a couple of weeks, it changes a bit the flavor of the wine. Not drastically, but a bit. But it's a needle that you put in, in the bottle, and you can pour a wine glass that, without technically opening the bottle. Um, they say that the wine can stay there without problem for a year or two. I have seen that after three, four weeks, it starts to change a bit. But most of the time, especially during the high season, which means uh, any time actually now is the high season. Usually February was a low season and we were fully booked every night. But let's say that from March to October... All our Coravin will last not more than a week because we finished the bottle. We, we're having a lot of this Taste the Legend menu, which is the more expensive one. Possibly this is a reason of economy. Possibly, you know, there are more richer people, uh, you know, and it's kind of a strange thing. You know, we're selling more the highest standard than, than the lower one. Our collectors have been growing a lot, especially on the collector side. Okay.
4: Okay. So we deal a
2: lot with this expensive bottle, but I try not – usually when I do something, when I see a student, he want to taste a, a sip of Sassicaia, which is an expensive I that, bottle, mm-hmm. I usually give it for free. It's not a big problem. I know, I mean uh, – uh,
1: you, uh, you, you indeed go for the experience, the ultimate uh, experience to share that. So talking about historical figures, obviously Dante. In, this is not a Dante question. Don't worry. In the twenty-fourth uh, uh, canto of the Purgatory, he, he clearly yeah. talks about wine and vernaccia, and he sends Pope Martino the Fourth to the Purgatory to, um, you know, to yeah. pay for his gluttony, especially the anguille di Bolsena affogate nella vernaccia. So my question yeah. is, and you can be as you know, you can totally make up the answer. We're getting closer to the ideas of March. What one yeah. would you think Julius Caesar would have liked, <laughs> and why? You can okay. totally
2: make uh, up. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a subject that always interested me, but before Middle Age is really complicated. You know, there is Timanwin, of course. Hugh Johnson has been writing a lot of stuff. Wine Archaeology is another beautiful book. I don't remember the author right now. Uh, There is not a lot of literature and not a lot we really know. What I actually realized, especially uh, talking with Ferdinando de Simona, which is an an archaeologist, a wine expert, that that there's a kind of a misunderstanding of what wine was in the ancient age, especially the Greek and the Roman times, because... uh, um, it is like this. You know, they say they used to uh, put honey and water for sure in the wine and they used to put garum that was yes. rotten fish. Mm-hmm. Was the really sweet stuff. But but that was probably the majority of the masses that was drinking that wine. It was like think about that in two thousand years they're digging and they discover a bottle of yellowtail, and they say, oh, that's what they were drinking <laughs> at that time. Yeah, maybe the majority of them, because they're not going to find any bottle of Romanic e Conti and of course, because there were few of them. So, according to a sign that you can find in Pompeii, there was a Falernum that was considered with the wine of the emperors. There was a Falernum that was aged for 107 years in jars, in amphora. Mm. Can you imagine that mm-hmm. keeping a wine in an amphora for 107 years? It means that the producer would never see that wine, you know, because they had to wait three generations. Uh, some people, some people from north of Italy, they were making jokes. It was about okay, that was the sign from Naples. They like to cheat, but uh, you know, for sure, there, there was this Falernum that was a noble wine. Falernum was like the Aliani. No? Uh, nobody, I, knows. No nobody knows. Nobody knows. Sure. Um, uh, Master Berardino actually is producing a wine that is actually not really good, even though the other ones are really good. It's called uh, Villa dei Misteri because they tried it to reproduce the ancient wine based on notes, but it's difficult. But you know, for sure, I guess that they were high quality wine that costed more than others. And that's what I get to do. With it. Middle Age is a completely different story, and Renaissance is another different story.
1: So, talking about. Yeah, talking yep. about uh, uh, Florence. Uh, have you taken? Um, obviously, when you go there, you probably go onto the countryside. But have you spotted any of those uh, bucchette del vino? I think there are still 179 of them. Sure. Obviously yeah, not in yeah. function, but uh, people didn't, you know, they end up um, uh, turning them into citofoni, buche per le lettere. Um, sure. And uh, but they're interesting if you find those that might still have the name of the cantina on top of it. Uh, so have you sure. seen any? Of of them uh, or maybe just know of them
2: yeah i i, I there is it's kind of interesting i mean I, I have never been a big passionate about tuscany in terms of wine i love tuscany but i am in more Piedmont and other regions but uh, i discovered about this bouquette del vino only during covid because i didn't know about it. it you know it was discovered as a because that was the time you know the plug and and also enough for that you know
1: Let's, uh, let's translate so maybe I, I wind, uh, wine stuff. windows, even those. Yeah, wine windows. I, yeah. Yeah, wine
2: windows. You, it was about passing by the wine
1: mm-hmm. through
2: a little hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I discovered only two years ago. I didn't know about that story, so it was new to me. And uh, I, I think everyone started to speak it over just during COVID. It was not something common. I don't know if you knew it even before, uh, or you knew it like me during COVID about the story of a you know uh, besides that, uh, um, I, Tuscany is a strange, strange uh, region in terms of wine. There's a lot of mystification, there's a lot of fake stuff, uh, there's a lot of, you know, discovering artisan in Tuscany is more difficult than Sardinia and other places. Uh It's our job. We don't, you know, we're always struggling when we have to choose wine from Tuscany for the wine club, you know, because it's a lot of, maybe because it's always been a strongly touristic region and maybe because Chianti was possibly the first famous wine that arrived in the U.S. and other places. So the concept of big production is mainly due to a kind of a later feudalism, a renaissance. There are these three, four big families that somehow own the market. Uh, Finding a good wine bar in, in Florence it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Pigola, Bre- Cibreo. But most of the time, you know, you find Antinori, Frescobaldi, Frescobaldi, mm-hmm. Antinori, Banfi, They're always the same four or five. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Tuscany, you know, is still affected by this big concert of uh, uh, of the big and noble family that are owning. But in Bidman, it's not like this because it's mainly owned by small producers, mm-hmm. especially after, you know
1: well uh it is time for us uh, to uh, say our goodbyes and I personally look forward to continuing this conversation over a nice glass of bu- uh, of wine yeah. uh, remember surely awesome. this summer when I come back home I'm from Rome as well I don't know if I had shared with uh, with you before but I want okay. uh I would like to remind all our listeners uh, the um, the address the web address of the wine club which is ww.roliwineclub.com And again, um, also um, uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel. These videos are so interesting, whether you are into wines or not, because we talked about vino is indeed a living uh, product and the labor and everything that goes into um, the final product that we get to enjoy is is pretty much amazing so grazie ragazzi andate a dormire it's midnight you know thank you right yeah, <laughs> Diana, hello. Also, Kathy, the that warmed my
2: heart thank <laughs> you, <And laughs> thank and you. Thank Thanks. very much ziana your, your words about my videos really 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 moved
1: me thank you Thanks <laughs> for ci, having ci, having ci vediamo a thank roma <laughs> Ciao ciao. Okay.
0: ciao, ciao. okay, folks. Well, uh, our hour is almost up. Il Big Ben
1: ha detto stop. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, as usual, it's time for us to say arrivederci and alla prossima. Right. And again, we want to thank you for listening. So, again, as a reminder, if you want to come on the show, if you have a success story, you, know, you want to talk about your family, your journey from Italy to the United States, again, Italian culture, that's what this show is about. Maybe, uh, on the other hand, you might be interested in sponsoring an episode. Again, if you th- kind of believe what we're, what we're doing here and you say, I want to keep this thing going, please send us an email at the Italian Hour at com. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love your support. Viviana, before we leave, who is going to be our guest next week?
1: Well, next week uh, we will have Roberto from the Italian Consulate. So if you have any questions about how to obtain dual citizenship, Please send us your questions beforehand at the Italian Radio Hour at gmail dot com, and uh, and then Nikki Taylor, because once you get your citizenship, or even without citizenship, you might be considering uh, buying property in Italy, and that's what she does. So again, as a reminder for any of you or any of your friends that would like to catch our episodes online. Uh, they can go and visit istitutomonditaliano.org um, and click on the Italian Radio Hour. If you are a YouTuber, we now have a YouTube channel. And like uh, ringraziare i nostri ospiti, Lindsay Gabbard and Alessandro Pepe from Rimeser Sholi, our sponsor, Istituto Monditaliano, Paolucci Plumbing and Alla Boara for the music. And finally, before we leave, here is our next trivia for the week. What does it mean if someone tells you, oh, um, or sorry, let's rewind. What does it mean non avere peli sulla lingua? Again, what does it mean non avere peli sulla lingua? Be the first one to answer correctly by sending your answer to the Italian, um, an email to theitalianradiohour at gmail.com. And
0: again, thank you for your answers from last week's trivia. As always, we enjoy reading your emails. If you are not in the Pittsburgh area or you might be traveling, remember, you can catch us streaming live at khbradio.com every Thursday at 5 p.m. And be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Italian Radio Hour. Until next time, alla prossima. Ciao, Ciao, ciao. The Italian Radio Hour has been sponsored by Istituto Mondo Italiano.